Well, we, um, we have been in a series uh, called New Normal, and, and so we've been talking about how as we kind of step into 2021, um, we're kicking off the year with this idea that whatever the normal was that, that you knew, that God is inviting you to know more, that whatever normal was for, for any of us in this last year, that, that God actually has something more for us, that there's something bitter, big, bitter, there's something bigger and better or bitter for us and, and, and something better than trying to tunnel back to something that was. And so um, as we get ready to kind of dive into the scriptures, um, would you just pray with me and, uh, and we'll, get, we'll get going with the, the, the message today. God, thank you so much for your love and your grace. And uh, Lord, for this day, for the opportunity to laugh together, the opportunity to, to, to connect with people and, and to continue to build relationships and uh, Lord, to take, uh, to move forward together, not only in our, in our lives, but as our church. And Lord, I just pray for every, um, for every person here, God, regardless of whatever they came in carrying this morning, God, regardless of what's happening in their life, God, I, I know that some of us came in and there's just amazing things happening. And uh, Lord, we, we stepped into the room just celebrating some really good stuff that's going on in life. And, and Lord, we celebrate with, with them today. Uh, and then I, I know that there's some folks, God, that are just going through some difficult stuff and, and maybe just it took everything to get out of bed and get here. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would meet them where they're at. And, Lord, every single one of us that have, um, that have arrived here this morning, that we would leave and, that, Lord, that we would hear your voice, that we would leave here today having experienced your grace and your truth. So we just invite you in the next few moments to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know uh, if you've ever had this sense that, that this really frustrating sense that no matter how hard you try, that life just keeps throwing unexpected things your way and just kind of messes up your plans. And, and, and honestly, like that is really the definition of what many of us experienced in the last 12 months, right? And, and even when you're, you're, try, you're really trying hard to cooperate with God, sometimes it, it seems like he's not trying that hard to cooperate with us, right? And, and I, I love the snow, and in fact, it's been cold lately, and for me, like, I, like if, it's, if it's not going to snow, like, let's just, let's get, let's get done with the cold. Let's warm it up here. Like, the, the snow makes the cold worth it, so let's get with it, Idaho. I don't, I don't know, like, on the brochure I saw in California, it said it snowed here, so, like, let's deliver. Let's go, but uh, I, I, I do love the snow, but I'm not much of a skier, um, and so 25 years ago, I, I did a little bit of it, you know, when I was a teenager and into my early 20s, uh, but certainly I, I don't do, do really any of it now. And, and even when I did ski, I was never really that good uh, because we only win a couple times a year. And, and so um, I, I never had the opportunity to get super good. And, you know, whether it was skiing or snowboarding or skating or any of that stuff, like that just wasn't never in the cards for me to be good at any of that stuff. And so, but one year um, I went... I went skiing with uh, my brothers, and I have four brothers, and, um, and so uh, us and some of our friends, uh, we went to a ski resort called Kirkwood that's near Lake Tahoe, and, um, and, and they were all better and more experienced than me, or at least they had more courage than I did, and, um, and, and, but for some reason, I let them talk, you know, talk me into, like they decided like right when we got there, we got there, like literally Kirkwood was opening, like they were just turning everything on and we were there. And so right at the beginning of the morning, they're like, let's go to the top of the mountain. And I was like, what? No, that's not. But we ended up getting, 
uh, on, the, on the lift, and it was like a bitter cold day, and it was kind of breezy at the bottom of the mountain, and we rode the lift to the top of the mountain. When we got off the lift and kind of peeked up over the edge of the mountain, it was terrifying, and the wind, like the, the wind that was sort of a light breeze down at like 7,500 feet up at the 10,000 plus foot like level, it was like 60, 70 miles an hour, and it was gusting to 85, 90, and like this powder was just like stinging and hitting your face, and it was terrible, and it was a cliff, and, uh, and, and it, was, it was not, uh, you, so you might be familiar with, you know, the, the, the way that ski runs are rated, um, but if you're not, uh, the, like the green circle is the beginner, like that's where I lived, like just give me, give me the green circle, I'm good. Uh, occasionally, I went to the blue squares, uh, those were for intermediate, um, and then there were the black diamonds that are, are for el- experts. So, well, at Kirkwood, the runs on the face of the mountain when you get to the top are called the wall, and they're double black diamond, uh, which means um, you're probably going to die. That's what that means, uh, as I've felt anyway. And, and so the problem is, is that I'm a natural born coward. And so my brothers kind of all took off and my friends all took off and there was no way I was going to get on my skis and point them down that mountain and go down that hill. There just wasn't. So um, I, I, I just knew like I, I had kind of looked at the map and, and so I just knew like I needed to find another way. So I knew I was, if I was able to work my way over to a run that was just kind of a black diamond. And I realized that if I could get over there uh, several hundred feet down, I could actually sort of inch my way over to a blue square, which would eventually lead me back to a green circle. And so um, I, uh, I started down the mountain and lost control and I died, you guys. I it literally <laughs> lost my life. No, so I took my skis off and I swallowed my pride and I sat down and I slid down the face of this double diamond, double black diamond, kind of inched over to the diamond and then inched down that and, and over to the blue square. And I didn't care that people were like saying things to me and laughing at me, but I lived. Like, I, you want to die? Go ahead. I lived. Uh, but uh, it, it, was, it was not awesome. But I, I think that's a great picture for some of the moments that we experience in our lives. See, I don't know if you've recognized it or not, but life, life is a black diamond, it has its green circle and blue square moments. There's no doubt about that. And when we get them, we're like, yay, this is what's gonna be my life. It's gonna be easy and fun. And I'm just gonna be, and we think that's what life is, but life is not. Like life is a black diamond. Most of the time we're pointed down in a direction that is terrifying and we can't see what's coming and the wind's blowing in our face and it feels like we're gonna die. Sometimes there's these green circle and blue square moments, but mostly it's black diamond experiences. And and even a couple of double black diamond seasons mixed in for good measure. And and just like me at the top of the mountain, those those moments are really paralyzing. And it feels like there are no good choices available. Like anything I do from this point forward is gonna hurt. And it's all difficult and scary. And it's complicated by the fact that, that we just that we don't live in a bubble, right? Like our attitudes and our choices affect 
all of our relationships and the people we love. And so when we feel overwhelmed or confused about which way to go, in those moments, most of us actually turn to other people for help, right? Like, I'm feeling a little bit lost. I'm a little bit overwhelmed. I'm a little bit scared. I'm not sure where to go. I'm not sure how I navigate this next season. How do I get down this part of my life? How do I make it through without hurting myself and other people? And what we're really looking for in those moments is, is wisdom. And the question is, where do we actually find wisdom when we need it? Where do we turn to? Because we all know that hindsight is 2020, but, but what's really the problem is foresight, right? Is being able to see what's in front of us, being able to, to know what the future is going to hold, to how is this going to turn out, right? If we're being honest, like that's the thing that we need the most of. Now, if we took a step back and, and kind of like took a little bit of self-reflection, and maybe, maybe some of us aren't that great at hindsight either, because hindsight actually takes a little bit of reflection. Like, have you ever known someone who had been married for like 15 or 20 years, but they didn't seem to have 15 or 20 years of marriage experience. Instead, it was like they had one year of marriage experience that they had repeated like 15 or 20 times. And if we don't stop and reflect and listen and learn, the same thing actually happens to us in our lives and in our faith. But now, that's, that's, the past, that's about the past, that's hindsight, right? Which by the way, one of the best ways that you can kind of start off 2021 is by, by learning from 2020. But, but what about the future? Like, what, what does this year hold? What does the, the next couple of years hold? H- how do we move forward into all that God has for us? How do, how do we find the wisdom that we need when we need it to navigate the future that God has prepared for us in this year? Because wisdom is, is not about intelligence, right? Like someone once said, the difference between intelligence and wisdom is everything. There's a massive difference. Wisdom is the, the ability, so here's how we're gonna define it. Wisdom is the ability to know, to know how to identify and apply truth in real time to your actual everyday life. See, you can actually be described as a genius or a person of incredible intellect, someone with an amazing education and learning and still not know how to create a better future and a better life for you and the people around you. Another way of thinking about wisdom is is that it's the ability to sort of look into the future and see the consequences of your choices in the present. To be able to know, like, if I do this now, I'll end up there later. Because life, life is a black diamond, and we all have our breaking points. And what's really interesting is that no matter what our belief system or our worldview, we all have moments where we realize that, that wisdom is gonna need to come from somewhere else outside of us. Moments where we look around for people and places who can help us kind of identify and apply the truth when we can't see it. And, and we do this because we all want to live a life with fewer regrets, right? We all want to the best life possible. We all want the fullest life possible. And so we get this sense when we're overwhelmed that somebody's, I'm going to have to reach out. Somebody's going to have to help me. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, uh, the apostle Paul wrote these words. He says, be very careful then how you live. That's a great, like, warning sign, right? That's a great flashing stop sign. Be very, like, pay attention. Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, Now, there are a lot of verses in the scriptures that people want to argue over. No one argues over this verse. Like, no one's like, you know what? I mean, who cares? 
That's not, I mean, that, that's not really my, my wisdom's not really my thing. Like, I, I really like to live unwise. Like, nobody, nobody's arguing in defense of the unwise life. The problem is, how do we discern between who's being wise and who's being foolish? Because everybody, and here's kind of the tricky part, everybody, no matter who they are, is operating from some sort of wisdom. And not all wisdom agrees. In fact, a, a big part of wisdom is situational and circumstantial. And, and so you can, make, you can find people make the, making the most ill-advised life choices, but if you sat down and began asking them questions, they have some sort of thought process, right? Some sort of rationale, some sort of wisdom that was informing those decisions. Now, it might be questionable, right? It, it might not actually be all that wise, but it's there. This is, this is at the heart, I think, of what ends up being a lot of our relational conflict, whether it's in our families or with coworkers or people we love and care about or friends, whatever, is that we're all trying to be wise, but we're not all relying on the same kind of wisdom. And that's, that's what makes this so tricky, is right? Who you look to for wisdom will actually shape what kind of wise you are what kind of wise you become. Now, maybe you're here and you're a Christian and you've grown up in church or you know, a lot of us who call ourselves Christians would say like, look, that's no problem. I got this. I get my wisdom from the Bible. And, and, but the problem is, is like we can, we can often run into the same, the same kinds of problems because the Bible actually contains different types of wisdom or different categories of wisdom and they don't always agree. Now, before you get all biblical on me and start picking up rocks to kind of stone me if you're a Christian, like stick with me for a minute and I want to explain to you what I'm talking about. Like, have you ever had a heated conversation with another Christian over what's right in a given situation and you were both quoting scripture? Yeah, like that happens all the time. People leveraging different parts, different kinds of wisdom from different places in the Bible to inform what they're doing. But it's different from what someone else is using and leveraging to inform what they're doing. And they're both saying, I'm just doing what the Bible says. I'm just, this is a verse, this is my favorite verse. Or I heard somebody speak about this one, this is important, this matters, and that's out, right? So I, I wanna take a minute and kind of show you what I'm talking about when it comes to the different kinds of levels or different types of uh, uh, categories of wisdom. And, and I think as we go along here, it'll start to make a little bit of sense, and then, uh, and then we're going to talk about Jesus at the very end. So the first kind of wisdom is, I, I kind of just entitled, it's the wisdom of self, right? The wisdom of self just says, I'm my own person, and I want what I want. Like, think of a, a two-year-old sort of stomping their foot and saying no and asserting their independence, right? They, they will not be told what to do in that moment. And if you try to force them, they're enraged and indignant and entitled. And in that moment, right, at that stage of our development, we're really anti anything that limits us, right? And the truth is, is that if you look around our culture, right, like this isn't just two-year-olds. This kind of wisdom is really everywhere in our culture, especially on social media, right? People always talking about my truth and they're living their own truth and it's the follow your heart and never regret anything because at one time it was exactly what you wanted crowd right like what a dumb like I can't even wrap my head around that like what right that that's the wisdom 
of self. And by the way, the, the scriptures actually repeatedly talk about this kind of wisdom and, and how if we live by this wisdom, it's actually gonna shipwreck our lives. So there's the wisdom of self. Then you have the wisdom, uh, what I call the wisdom of the sage or the wisdom of the sages, which is, which is kind of conventional wisdom, right? The, the wisdom of the sages is like, this is how the world works and this is how you fit into it, right? This, this, is, this is conventional wisdom. It, it's, it's the rules. It's the, the way things are done. It's how things work. It's the traditions and the party lines and the expectations. And sometimes the wisdom of the sages is written and sometimes there are unwritten rules and about how life operates and to some of us, like especially if you're like in part of the younger generation, like this kind of wisdom like often is, you know, sort of dismissed as old fashioned or maybe a little bit oppressive, right? It's the okay boomer kind of like wisdom, right? But but it's really not. It's actually very necessary and healthy and helpful as part of the development of us as human beings, right? It, it's it's not all there is but it actually forms a great foundation for our life, right? It's, it's me as a dad telling my kids, look, you need to take a shower like every day, not just once a week or not every couple of days, right? It's me as a dad going, look, you look people in the eye when you shake their hands. We don't actually cut lines. We, we wait our turn, right? That people, people matter more than stuff and things and chores are a part of life and we all do them and yours is the trash, congratulations, right? Sage wisdom kind of distills things down to how life works, or at least how it's supposed to work, right? It's the, if you do this, then you're likely to get that kind of wisdom, right? If you work hard and you keep your head down and you pay your dues, then you're going to win, right? It's shorthand. It makes life simple and predictable. In fact, and when you look into the scriptures, the Old Testament is full of this kind of wisdom, right? It's the Ten Commandments. It's the Proverbs. And even the idea, like we see it actually from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament when he writes these words, you will reap what you sow, right? It's the base level kind of life stuff. Don't lie. Respect the elderly. Protect the elderly. Don't murder. Don't take stuff that's not yours, right? It's all that kind of stuff. It's the basics of life. And it's really, really good, sound wisdom. It's ancient. It's time-tested. The third kind of wisdom is the wisdom, what I call the wisdom of subversion, right? Which says the things that have worked for most people most of the time don't work for all people all the time, right? This is the kind of wisdom that's usually born out of realizations that we have like, wait, you said that if I did this, then I'd likely get that. But some people did this. And they still didn't get that, right? What, what's going on there? They, they did work hard. They did put their head down. They did pay their dues, but they still never actually got ahead. And unlike the wisdom of self, the wisdom of subversion isn't rebellious for rebellion's sake. Instead, it, it's asking the questions. Like, I, I can see that this is the way that most people are. I, I can see how conventional wisdom actually came to be but, but is it actually the best way? Is it the way we actually want to be? It, it actually can be really, really helpful, subversive wisdom in challenging the norms and pushing back against things like peer pressure. And because subversive wisdom actually swims upstream and asks questions and tests boundaries. Solomon, the King Solomon, who wrote many of the Proverbs, he actually wrote actually a lot of subversive wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes. 
You read Ecclesiastes and he's like, look, all right, let me just like save you guys a lot of time because I had the time and the energy and the money and the resources to try all this stuff out. And a lot of that stuff that I said was wisdom, like, you know what, it's all meaningless. Like this, instead this, right? You read Ecclesiastes, it's a lot of subversive wisdom. The essence of subversive wisdom is what the apostle Paul actually says in Thessalonians where he says, test everything and hold on to what is good, right? Eat the chicken and speed out, spit out the bones. That's, that's the essence of subversive wisdom. But, but here's the catch, right? Is that wisdom is sequential, right? It's developmental, meaning that it builds on the wisdom that came before it. Right? I have so many conversations with young people lately where they're, they're trying to go from the wisdom of self to the wisdom of subversion and sort of skip over conventional wisdom, skip over the wisdom of the sages, but it just doesn't work like that, right? If you haven't actually learned the rules and why they exist, you won't actually know which ones are worth breaking and for the right reasons. Now, those first three categories of wisdom are all examples of earthly wisdom. They aren't all bad, except for the wisdom of self. In fact, there's a lot of good in there, especially those last couple of categories, but they're incomplete. There's something beyond them. There's something more. There's something higher, something better, which brings us to the fourth type of wisdom, which is the wisdom, wisdom of the Savior, which simply says this, is that Jesus actually shows us how to bring heaven to earth right here and right now. See, if you want to know God's view on something, if you want to know what God's wisdom on something is, look at how Jesus did everything. Now, maybe you're here and you're thinking like, who cares? Like no offense, but why should I care what God's view on something is? Or yeah, 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 I, like, I listen to Jesus and the Bible when it comes to like religious stuff because I get that's kind of his deal, but I got the rest. Like when it comes to the way life works, when it comes to the way I do business, when it comes to the way relationships, like he can stay in his lane and I'll stay in mine. And, and, and if that's you, like if you've ever thought that or felt that, like I get that, I really do. But, but let me tell you, like why so many of us have actually, you know, what, what we've discovered when it comes to God's wisdom. It, and, and, and the best thing I could do is just share this verse with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, and that is this, is that the foolishness of God is wiser than hu human wisdom. See, the reason why you should care what God says, the reason why you should care what his wisdom is when it comes to your life is because his foolishness the worst he can do is light years above our wisdom and the best that we can do. In fact, Jesus or God was talking to his people in the book of Isaiah, and he says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts and my ways above your thoughts and your ways. Like you can't even begin to comprehend the kind of wisdom that I want to give you. And Jesus is the personification of God's wisdom. He's what pure wisdom would look like if it were a person and not just a set of principles. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, Paul says this, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Right? God made wisdom a person, and he wants to connect and unite us together with him. See, 
no matter what the next 12 months hold for you, no matter what 2021 would look like for you, this is God's heart for you and me, to connect and unite us with the wisdom that's found only in Jesus. For us to learn to do things like he did them. For us to base our lives on his life. Because Jesus actually shows us the best way to live, the best way forward, the best, the, the best way to interact with one another, the best way to have relationships. And so regardless of what life throws at us, whether it's a green circle or a blue square or a double black diamond, that Jesus is the wisdom that we need. So if, this, if that's the case, right, if Jesus is wisdom, why wouldn't everyone do everything the way that Jesus does them? Well, the truth is because Jesus like turns wisdom on its head. And, and when you've lived your whole life according to earthly wisdom, heavenly, heavenly wisdom actually starts to kind of sound absurd. So let, let me read you some excerpts of how Jesus turned wisdom on its head. Matthew chapter five, beginning with verse 38. Jesus does this a lot in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you have heard the laws that say the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. What is he quoting? What is that? That's the wisdom of the sages, right? It's the ancient, time-tested, proven wisdom. It's in the Bible. Old Testament, law, but it's, it's earthly wisdom. So he's like, you've heard that, and that's good. You've been living by that. He's about to blow their mind. So in verse 39, he says this, but I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. It's weird that they took your coat first. They took the shirt first, but not the coat. I thought literally you lost your shirt in court. Verse 41, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask, and don't, don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for you in that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. Now, that last part, even pagans do that, like that sounds like an insult, but it's not an insult. Right? He's just going, look, the people who don't know me, the people who don't trust and believe in me, the people who don't follow me, right? The people who follow conventional wisdom, like they, they, that's fine and it's good, but there's something better and deeper and bigger that has arrived. See, the reason why what Jesus was saying was so profound and revolutionary was because he was unleashing a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of living, a whole new way of being in the world. He was redefining what it means to live a life of wisdom, what it means to to be human. So you can see if someone just says, look, I just follow the wisdom of the Bible, the most logical question is like, okay, which type? 
because they're not all the same, and some of them are earthly and incomplete. Some of them are heavenly. Some of them came straight from Jesus. See, Jesus regularly confronted the foolishness of the wisdom of self, but he also pointed out that societal or the wisdom of the sages, he also pointed out where it was limited, right, which was subversive in its, of itself. And, and then he was constantly pointing people to a brand new way of living, to heavenly wisdom as the solution. Is it any wonder that the guy who grew up with him, his half-brother James, when he sat down to write about Jesus and life and faith, that he devoted a big chunk of time and space in the letter that he wrote to a conversation about wisdom. James chapter 3, verse 13, says, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. See, exercising wisdom is more about how you behave than what you say you believe. See, knowledge is a noun, but wisdom is a verb. Knowledge is just something you gain and possess and hold on to. Wisdom is something that you live out in your relationships, in your life. Jesus actually said it this way. Jesus made this exact point. He said that wisdom is proved right, not by how she talks or how she thinks, but wisdom is proved right by her actions. He said it in Matthew chapter, nine, chapter 11, verse 19. And, and so here's James kind of echoing what he heard his brother talking about, the Savior of the world. He's going, hey, like, if you want to live as somebody who understands the wisdom of God, you live with the wisdom of God, let it inform who you are and how you behave. And he goes on in verse 17 and 18. He says, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving. It's gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. Man, I'm telling you, heavenly wisdom is uncomfortable, right? Because I can think of a lot of situations where I'm like, all right, that wasn't that gentle, but it was still wise. I, I, I don't want to yield to you. You're a moron. Sorry, was that unkind? I don't want to yield to you. You are unwise. He goes on. He says, the wisdom from above, it's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. There it is. It shows no favoritism which is, and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant the seeds of peace and will reap a harvest of righteousness. See, I, I love that as James is talking about wisdom, that he literally can't help but have it spill over into our relationships, right? He's going, like this, that when you're living with the heavenly wisdom, like when you live by the wisdom of the Savior, like that there's something gentle and peace-loving about your life. Do you ever like find people that are contentious and they just want to fight about everything? Like, see, there, there's a time. There's a time and a place. There's no doubt about it. But, but if, if you're constantly in, I want to fight and argue with everybody mode, I can tell you you're not operating from the wisdom of the Savior. He says it's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy. It's always sincere. That one's difficult because I'm really sarcastic. 
It plants the seeds of peace. See, in the end, part of what James is talking about is that you can be where you are and allow people to be where they are because after all, you can't control them anyway, right? Which is part of our frustration, right, that we have with other people is that they're not where we are and we want them to get on our page. But you cannot take people where they're not ready to go. Where they are makes sense to them. So what if instead of like, what an idiot, <laughs> which is kind of my go-to, um, what if you asked, like, I-, I wonder what they've experienced, right? I, I wonder what they're afraid of. I-, I wonder if there's something I can learn from them. H- how can I yield in the name of love to them? So here's the question. Six million dollar question. When you're in need of wisdom, where do you look? Who do you turn to? Who do you listen to? And which type of wisdom are they speaking to you from? Right? Because it's, it's easy. What we normally do is surround ourselves with people who will affirm our earthly wisdom. Right? They'll, they'll affirm whatever, whichever type we happen to be operating in at the moment. Like we will surround ourselves with people who will affirm that kind of wisdom, which is why when you meet people who are operating from the wisdom of self, they will not tolerate anybody in their inner circle who's trying to give them kind of that wisdom of the sage, like that conventional wisdom. No, they surround themselves with people who are like, you do you, girl. You just, whatever you like. Because that's, that's what we do. We surround ourselves with people that, that don't require anything of us, Right? We surround ourselves with people who are going to affirm the, the wisdom that we're operating from because it, it doesn't ask us to surrender or sacrifice on behalf of something higher or holier or better. And here's what's true for you, and this is why it all matters, and this is sort of the point of everything today, is you will live out the wisdom that you most listen to. That, that's what's going to happen in your life this year. You will live out whatever category, whatever type of wisdom you most listen to, that will be the mode that you live out your life in. If you really want to grow, if you really want to move forward, if you want to become better, if you want to live a fuller life, you need relationships that push you towards the wisdom of the Savior, that, that demand, that ask more, that say, like, hey, like, I'm not judging you, but there's something better. Like, there's something more for you than that place, that decision, that moment. You need people who are gonna ask you like, they're gonna ask you like, hey, where, where are you throwing a fit in your life right now? See, because wherever you're throwing a fit, that's the place where you've kind of regressed into the wisdom of self. I want what I want. Life is so hard, can't we just get back to normal? I did a lot of that in 2020. But where are you throwing a fit? Where, where do you need to take responsibility, right? Where, where do you need to embrace that conventional wisdom and just go, you know what, regardless of what's happening, I just need to own this and move forward. Where do you need to reject convention and break the rules for the sake of connection and community? Where do you need to subvert what most people would consider conventional wisdom? And finally, where, where do you need to embody the sacrificial grace of Jesus. Right? Where, 
what, what circumstances and relationships and places in your life do you need to bring heaven to earth? Because the truth is that we don't drift in healthy directions, right? We, we naturally default to earthly wisdom. We don't accidentally stumble our way into living out the heavenly wisdom of Jesus. We're just like, whoa, would you look at that? I just decided to love my enemies. This is weird. No, like we don't accidentally do that. We have to be intentional and make decisions. So which type of wisdom are the people around you pushing you into? Right? Is it earthly wisdom or is it the wisdom of Jesus? And maybe it's good, but is it what's best? Is it what's best? What type of wisdom are the people around you pushing you towards? Because you will live out the wisdom that you most listen to this year. Let's pray together.